Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordo, let's talk some NBA. Summer League going on uh, right now down in Las Vegas. Of course, free agent news coming fast and furious. And the Jazz uh, got a chance to introduce Mike Conley and Bojan Bogdanovich to the media as official Jazz men today. Let's talk about it with our next guest. He's editor of the Rookie Wire for USA Today. He is Cody Taylor with us on the Big Show. Hello, Cody. How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we want to get to some summer league, some rookie stuff with you, of course, but want to get uh, your impressions on the Utah Jazz offseason, adding a couple players and making it official today. Yeah, I think it's been a remarkable summer that they've had so far, um, you know, picking up Mike Conley Jr., uh, you know, introducing him, and then, uh, you know, picking up uh, Boyan. And, um, you know, I think when you really look at the landscape, of the NBA right now, and as we know, it's changing by the second, it seems like. Uh, I think you really got to look at the Jazz and, and their chances in the Western Conference. Of course, the, the Clippers are, are stacked. The Lakers got their guy in AD. And, and, but I think when you look at the Jazz, uh, adding Mike Conley Jr., uh, you know, really established score as a point guard, a big upgrade over Ricky Rubio. And, he, and we know Ricky Rubio was a, was a solid player for, for the Jazz, but when you have a chance to add uh, a guy like Mike Conley Jr., you definitely take it. And I think when you look at the Western Conference right now, as far as top teams go, Utah Jazz are certainly up there. You can make a case top three, top four maybe, uh, depending on where some of the other teams may fall. But, uh, you know, so far so good for the Jazz. So do you think this thing is going to be as wide open as it appears to be? I think I think uh, initially we we might see that just because when you have so much change, I, I think what a lot of people may not always kind of see is how all of these changes affect the on-court play, how they adjust to their new teammates. We've seen some of these super teams over the past few years, of course, with LeBron, the big three, and 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 Miami. They they went through some growing pains that first year. They they had uh you know some some growing pains on the court. And so, you know, I think you would definitely see that, uh, you know, if you see that, you won't be too surprised with the Clippers, with the Lakers, and, and with some of those other teams that are, that are changing so much. And so I think initially uh, this upcoming season, it, it might seem pretty pretty wide open. And then as the season progresses, as these teams get more comfortable with each other, they'll start kind of, the, the cream will rise to the top in a sense, and then we'll see some of these top teams really start to separate themselves. Gordon and I were were talking earlier about how a big lesson to be taken from this year's offseason is kind of the the transition of power, so to speak, is now Mm -hmm. firmly to the players where they're the ones flexing their muscle and putting together these big teams. What do you think about that that shift and where it goes from here? Yeah, I think it's an interesting dynamic because certainly you look at NBA, NFL, just all of these sports and, and how some of these teams can be quite ruthless to say the least and just up and trade a player in the middle of the night or whatever the case is, sign them uh, and, and do all these other sorts of moves. And so for the players, you, you really got to be kind of encouraged, I guess, in the sense that, you know, if, if you, if you do get locked into a situation that is no longer working, then you can kind of figure out a way to maneuver your way out of town. And we've seen that with Paul George and just a number of guys, um, throughout the course of the league. And so I think, um, you know, for if you're a team, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting time uh, if you're building teams and, and signing players. We're seeing teams opt for one, two-year deals, maybe even three-year deals. The, the days of 
of the four-year deals, uh, you know, with some exceptions, I believe, are, are kind of dwindling just because things are changing so much. Uh, it's incredibly difficult to move off of some of these large contracts. And, and so I think, um, you know, it, it might it might work out for, for both parties involved, to be honest. You were alluding to this earlier as you talked about uh, these teams sort of taking form <laughs> as the season goes on. But how important to you is – is the second unit. I mean, because like the Jazz, we talked to you about Bogdanovich and Mike Conley, but we didn't mention Ed Davis or Jeff Green. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about those guys, and those guys are going to bolster that second uh, that second unit. Uh, that's pretty important for these teams, isn't it, uh, through an 82-game regular season? No, 100%. It absolutely is. And, I mean, I think even when we when you look at what the Lakers were trying to do, I think a lot of a lot of people were were kind of questioning, you know, do you use all that cap space to to try to lure a, a big guy, a Kawhi, or do you try to spread that wealth around? And I think what what has been so impressive with what the Utah Jazz have done is, of course, you know, we know Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert headlines the group, but you can kind of go down down the list there and, and see Joe Ingles and, and Royce O'Neal and. Um, some of these other guys that may not necessarily grab all the headlines, but are certainly players that the Jazz uh, are going to need, um, you know, next season to have success. And I mean, you know, Royce O'Neal is a guy that you know I've followed for for quite some time. I know him a little bit, and to see him, um, you know, kind of establish himself as a rotational player, maybe even starts next year. But he's been an outstanding defender. Uh, for the Jazz, and if he can, you know, continue working on his offensive game, he'll be a really dangerous player and, and someone the Jazz, def, uh, you know, value tremendously. Cody Taylor is with us from USA Today. Cody, what do you think about Oklahoma City? What they got in return for Paul George, and what could they possibly get for Russell Westbrook? Yeah, I mean, when you look at, I think as far as player movement goes this summer, in my opinion, the Paul George trade was was the most shocking, just because. We had we didn't really know this ahead of time. There was no inclination that Paul George wasn't happy uh, in OKC, and it probably wasn't even that he wasn't happy. It was just more or less Kawhi Leonard recruiting him to L.A., a place that we know Paul George wants to play, um, is obviously from the area and, and wanted to get to get back home. Of course, most thought that would be with the Lakers, but he'll take it. Same building, L.A. Uh, he, he's going home, and so. For what the Thunder did, getting uh, you know probably one of the steals of last year's draft, if you can call him that, as a lottery pick, is Shea Gilgis Alexander, a guy who's regarded highly around the league as an up-and-coming guy, um, you know, young player with a lot of room still to improve. And then I think if maybe you even just kind of maybe stopped the deal there and, and looked at some of the uh, some of the picks they had, they of course got five picks, four unprotected. And even if you threw in maybe Shea Gildas-Alexander and maybe two of those picks, I think that would have been a really good deal for them. But to see what they got, and of course they got Danilo Gallinari, who will probably start for them, uh, was was a tremendous deal uh, by all accounts on the Thunder. And then when you look at Russ, it's just shaping up to to be a situation where they'll probably move him. um, And the Miami Heat are are the team uh, that – is the front runner, the reported front runner, and I'm not quite sure what if they have enough assets to to kind of make that happen or what they might be able to get back. But you know, you can make the salaries match for sure. They have 
a number of guys uh, on some large contracts there. And so, you know, I even heard someone speculate that perhaps the Thunder, since they got so much in return for Paul George, may not necessarily need a ton of assets for Russell Westbrook. And, you know, if he can get off his contract four years, $170 million, you know, a draft pick, a young guy or two, Justice Winslow, for instance, you know, that's probably something they look at. And so we know that the, the Miami Heat have long tried to, to stay relevant by adding superstars. They get Jimmy Butler. And then, you know, if you're, if you're Sam Presti and knowing what kind of uh, organization the Thunder are running, you know, they're, they'll probably work with, with Russ, and by all accounts they are, to put him in a, in a successful situation. And it sounds like Miami is something like that, uh, you know, impresses him a lot. So if he does get, end up there, how do you think it lines up in the in the East? Jake and I were talking about this. You like the Sixers? You like the Bucks? You like uh, who do you like back there? Yeah, I think if if they can get uh, Russ, and of course we're we're not sure how that on court chemistry will work with uh, with Jimmy Butler in this hypothetical situation. But you know, I I think that with with Kawhi going to L.A., that it, it kind of opens the door up a little bit more. Uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks, and then I mean the 76ers are right there as well. You, you got to think that uh, the Boston Celtics are probably taking a step back. The Brooklyn Nets are certainly going to be better, um, and of course won't reach their full potential until a couple seasons from now when KD returns. But I think if you really look at the, the playoff picture, most of those those playoff teams from a year ago will probably still be in, in the race there. Um, but it, it, for my money, if, if I'm if I'm trying to call it right now on, on July eighth, twenty eighteen, who's uh, taking the Eastern Conference? Uh, I'd go with the Milwaukee Bucks for for now. Cody Taylor with us from USA Today, ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. Switching gears to a little summer league. Any concern that uh, Zion's summer league only lasted nine minutes? No, not necessarily. I think um, you know they're taking the overly cautious approach, and there was probably a chance that he would. Wouldn't have suited up in each of the five games that the Pelicans would have played, and he probably would have been in one or two more games. But you know, certainly if you're if you're ESPN or, or some of the TV networks that were hoping Zion would play have a deep play or a deep summer league run, you know, they're probably a little disappointed, as I'm sure fans are. They wanted to see the the number one pick on the court, but you know, he he flashed. Uh, he did everything we, we thought he would do, um, what we've seen from him at Duke in, that, in those nine minutes, an eventful nine minutes. Um, you know, of course, highlighting his uh, little run in there with uh, Kevin Knox where he just snatched the ball from him. But, you know, he, he had some, some nice dunks and, and made some athletic plays that, that we've seen him have. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're the Summer League NBA, some of the top guys, of course, aren't playing. Uh, but there's been a lot of other talent, uh, you know, playing and, and performing well. What do you think is the usefulness of the summer league? Yeah, I think it's it's and you know I was thinking about this earlier, and, and as I just kind of mentioned, like a lot of these top guys are are playing, and, and of course some are hurt. But some teams, uh, there was a report not long ago, Jared Culver from Minnesota, who by all accounts is healthy, uh, will sit out for for summer league as he kind of transitions into his new team. So I think a lot. I think we're starting to see a lot more. Uh, especially this year where, where teams are, are being overly cautious with these guys. There's so much money invested in them that any kind of freak injury or anything like that unforeseen could potentially derail their first year, first couple of years, or whatever the case is. And so I think 
you, you really look at and and it's a it's a testament to what the NBA has built though with this summer league because you know I remember I'm not out there this year but I remember for four or five years ago first going you know it wasn't nearly as big as it is now and you know being in a building for when Lonzo Ball made his debut it, it was electric and uh, for for July basketball and in, in the desert you know it, it's become remarkable what it what it's become and. You know, it really just gives a guy, give those French guys a, a, a real chance to, to kind of make their make their case to be in the NBA, the G League, even overseas. There's so many, uh, you know, basketball minds in the gym on any given day out there. So it's just become really just, a, you know, a really entertaining event for, for basketball fans. Give us a rookie or two you think has the game to make an immediate impact. Yeah, there's been there's been some guys, um, and when you look at um, so some of the players that, that have gone, and, and you know, there's as we've kind of mentioned, some of the top guys may not um, you know be playing necessarily all that well, or even playing at all. Um, you know, RJ Barrett comes to mind who, who hasn't played well, but Grant Williams from the Boston Celtics is a guy that you know he's already become a fan favorite with, with the Celtics just because of his outgoing personality, but. When you actually watch him on the court, he, he's a real versatile big man. That his game just is perfect in today's game, and of course, with the Celtics kind of in a transition phase, there, um, you know, there, there's there's some wiggle room. The the rotations uh, aren't necessarily set uh, so far. Uh, so he he's been a guy that, that's really impressed. Biondu uh, Kevin Gelly from from the Los Angeles Clippers, a late first round guy. Um, you know, he he's really made. Uh, really, in just a couple of games, really made some impressive uh, performances. Um, you know, he's just a guy that has a high motor. You know, that's a, that's one of those cliche terms to to describe a prospect. But watching him, you know, he had six offensive rebounds on Saturday and just looked remarkable on the court. So these are some of the guys that that have really benefited. You know, we're talking about the risk and and reward of playing in summer league, and I think those are a couple of guys that that are really kind of taking their opportunity and run with it. How important do you think it is for Ben Simmons to develop an outside shot? And how important is that for any point guard? And then secondarily, we all look at Ben Simmons because we have the natural thing watching uh, Donovan Mitchell play. Which of those two players do you think is going to end up having the more productive career? Yeah, it's kind of a, a hot-button issue just because of, of, you know, obviously Ben Simmons being where he was drafted versus Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, I've always, in, in watching Ben Simmons, I've, I've always been a, a fan of his overall impact on a game. But, you know, going back to the playoffs, what Jerry, Jared Dudley said, and which got, I think, got taken way out of proportion, that he was just average, an average offensive player in the half court. And, I mean, it's absolutely true, you know, if, whether or not he likes it or not, uh, Ben Simmons, that is, just because, you know, teams don't respect his shot, and until you develop that jumper, just any sort of jumper, and, you know, to see him not take any three-pointers at all in his career so far is troubling. And so I think for him to continue to make that, that evolution as one of the best point guards in the league, he's going to need a, a jump shot. And it's not, it's not just on Ben Simmons not to pick on him or anything, but some of these guys, especially in today's game, and just – throughout the course of basket history of the basketball is you got to be able to shoot and so donovan mitchell to me i think is just a little bit more 
well re- re- well rounded in the regard of what he brings on the offensive end. Cody, we really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for coming on and sharing a little wisdom. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much. Cody Taylor, editor of the Rookie Wire uh, for USA Today, joining us talking a little NBA basketball. And, of course, uh, Cody joined us on the Sprint special guest line. Gordon customers can get the fantastic iPhone X for 50% off with Flex Lease. Visit the local Sprint store near you. A lot of good commonsensical talk there from Cody. You know, I thought he was right on the money on just about everything he said, at least in my opinion. Yeah, he made a lot of sense. Cody was good. We'll have to have Cody back on the show. Right down to, I'm sure jazz fans liked what he said in the comparison between Ben Simmons and Donovan. Well, he's totally right. And and Dudley was totally right when he talked about that. In the half court, he's just an average basketball player because of his limitations. I keep reading these rankings of uh, various experts around the NBA. And I don't see very many people talking about that in their evaluation of the Sixers, and it seems like they should. Hmm. Well, if, if Ben Simmons were to break down that shot and develop one and effective, I mean, he'd be awfully good. But until he does that, and if he does that, I mean, he won't even take a three. Right, right. He won't even take one. But, guys, he's supposed to be working out with Buck this summer. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Buck, who also couldn't shoot, might <laughs> might turn his game around. Did yeah. you see those reports that uh, Buck actually did the Lakers a disservice in the recruitment of Kawhi Leonard? Uh, you mean it worked as a negative? Well, apparently the <laughs> the Raptors camp told all teams involved uh, in, in negotiating for Kawhi Leonard services that they needed to keep everything quiet, plug those leaks. They didn't want... They didn't want uh, any word getting out. And you know what our boy Buck Johnson did? What he did? Went right to the L.A. Times. Blah, 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 blah. Me, 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 my, me, me, me. And now some other reports out there say that that Kawhi was down on the Lakers before the meeting even took place. But there's some people out there saying, like, you know, Kawhi's people said, hey, let's let's keep this on the down low. And Buck couldn't help himself. Because Uh-oh. Buck is looking for credit to save face from the way things ended. That was always sort of his charm, wasn't it? Uh, charm? Even back to when he was a player, he just said dumb things sometimes and everybody loved him for it. That was not, well, good move by the Lakers putting Buck in that room. Well done. What is he doing? He doesn't even work for the, the franchise anymore. I, what is he I, doing? I have no idea. I have no idea. But essentially, in what I've read about the Clippers deal, Kawhi's the one that made it happen. Right. He said, okay. Playing everyone like a fiddle, Gordon. Get me Paul George and I'm coming. More Big Show straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.